Hey, jibbers and jabbers, it's J-Mac here. This is just for you audio listeners. Thank you very much for listening to us as long as you have. We much appreciate it and we hope you're still enjoying it. But we would love it if you would go and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you love what you hear, you'll love what you see. Get over there now, click on subscribe to keep up to date. Thank you. Welcome everyone to a long anticipated deep dive. Today we will be deep diving The Crow from 1994, which was like three years after I was born. J-Mac, what age were you in 1994? 10. 10? I'd have been nine probably when it came out because I didn't turn 10 until the end of 1994. Uh, but mm. yeah, I'd have been about, about nine or 10, uh, so way too young to see it. Uh, I don't think I've seen it until I was about 15 or something. <laughs> uh, sore one, sore one. Uh, oh, yeah. So today, today we're, uh, I mean, how long have we wanted to do The Crow for? It's one of those crazy cult classics that everybody remembers watching for the first time. I know, it's, it's one of the ones where you, you think, oh, how long have we wanted to do this for? We could have just done it. It's our show. Just delayed ourselves. It's the old, the old order. Hi, Catwoman. Uh, for everybody listening at home or listening in the archives and not live, this show is live on YouTube. You obviously can watch and listen uh, after, the, after the fact. You can hear it on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, everywhere that you get podcasts. Uh, but if you come along when we do our live shows, just like Catwoman here in the comments, you can have your say on our show, and we look forward to that. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so. You can also hit the join button. If you hit the join button, you can choose a tier, and you can really help this show out. But thanks for your support. If you do or don't, just having you here means a lot to us. So it was 1993 when the cast and crew began work on The Crow which is a an adaptation of the the graphic novel which i ordered by the way from amazon i should have, i should have done it a long time ago <laughs> but, um, it'd be nice to have been able to get through the source material so we could maybe do some comparisons but well we didn't uh, think that far ahead. well the thing is you don't really need the kind of comparisons do you because no, we're, we're deep diving this uh, yeah. so it's that it's that whole kind of thing so we're going to kind of start off we're going to go through this chronologically and we will talk about obviously the tragedy that kind of haunts over this movie and that is the death the untimely death of brandon lee what could have been uh, so mm. we're going to kick it off by kind of talking about a bit about devil's night and what exactly devil's night is uh, so devil's night it's the 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 time in the the movie which the bad guys kind of think is all right to go about and fuck shit up because what is the day before Halloween? Or as it says, yeah. devil, devil's night's not, no, Halloween's not till manana, which means Halloween is not until tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And the reason I know this, the reason I know this is because I used to be in a, a stage show and we were singing a song about El Manana. And I was like, the fuck is that? They're like, tomorrow. I'm like, oh. <laughs> so, so it was quite cool. I, I felt so like, wow, look at me translating manana whilst watching this movie. <laughs> You feel proud of yourself when you have wee moments like that. Eh? It's like you hear a Chinese person saying "shisha," -sh, and I'm like, "He said thank you." I know that. I know that. <laughs> exactly. So when you first watched this, what was your interpretation of Devil's Night? To me, it kind of felt like you know the purge that one day a year where the law just doesn't apply, and and I kind of always thought that whilst growing up watching that. But then I realized, wait a minute, 
the law does apply, they were just shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, it seems to be it's a night where the the police just they, they just don't have the power to deal with all the problems. Um, so basically, they just go out and set fire to everything they possibly can. These guys, um, and I think it's it's actually. <laughs> at grassroots level, it's it's a real estate thing. <laughs> Just trying to drive the property values down so they can buy it all up. It's yeah. uh, it's hilarious, really. Be a good way of doing it. The oh, crawl. Well, uh, it's quite. Uh, Graham Mollison at home says the graphic novel is vastly different. We will kind of get into a little bit about the differences and the kind of stuff that was cut from the movie. Uh, Stephen Thompson at home says the crawl. Yeah, that's a Scot <laughs> Scottish slang for the crawl, guys. That is the. That is the reason why you come to watch us live because you get to have your say. So Devil's Night is where it all kicks off uh, to kind of create a bit of backstory. So Eric and his missus Shelley, they are they're writing to the landlord, I believe, kind of saying, you know, we live in a loft and it's just, it's needing repaired. Uh, yeah. and, and in response, the landlord sends a gang of thugs to to rape the woman and kill both of them gruesomely. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if it's standard practice for <laughs> rental companies to to do that sort of thing. They may have taken some creative liberties with that one. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that call? It's this look. Housing. I we've got all this stuff going on in the do, Oh wait, wait, there's so what? Broken windows, no safe, and all that. I said, what address was that? <laughs> right, I'll send somebody around. Aye. Uh, that sounds just like West Lothian Council to me. <laughs> <laughs> I can uh, say that because I'm in a different council area. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, the movie kind of starts off with you you're kind of seeing like the it's already happened. Mm -hmm. The the death has already happened, and then to <laughs> you see the aftermath yeah t t Stephen Thompson at home just said I phoned the council to come and fix my sink they came out and flared me <laughs> <laughs> so, just to translate that's I phoned the local authority to come and fix my sink and they came in and battered me essentially <laughs> exactly so the, the movie kicks off and you can see that Shelley is being kind of stretchered away from the property at this point eric has been stabbed repeatedly and thrown at a, a what 20 foot window Which was it 20 yeah he's foot? been no it's a lot more than that he's been stabbed shot and thrown out the top of a multi-story building um so he's he's dead like he's he's, oh, he's long dead, dead. <laughs> but shelly's not shelly's not and here's one thing i was thinking that's kind of aged so at the point where Sarah kind of rocks up on her skateboard, she does that a lot. That's how you know she's there. You just see a wee skateboard on the ground and a foot on it. You know, like, oh, well, here comes yep. Sarah. And uh, it's either Sarah or Bart Simpson, but it's been Sarah <laughs> every other time. So, so, so Sarah rocks up, right? And uh, they're wheeling out um, Shelley. And it's all right for this wee girl just to go up and approach the... The victim. I, I never thought that that was. I thought they'd have a bit more security going on. She's like, so how oh, shit, Shelly? It's happening. She's like, I'm fucked. The, the, there, there was there was some serious issues with the whole scene. To be honest, I mean, as soon as they get into the flat, there's about fifty cops there contaminating everything. <laughs> that crime scene is completely unusable now. Anything they find, no. I mean, even even Albrecht, uh, Ernie Hudson, he he picks, he's just picking stuff up, flicking through yeah. it. Do you know what I mean? No gloves, nothing. It's just 
no, nah, it's a it's a clusterfuck for the beginning. <laughs> like, yeah, listen, we've screwed up the apartment. Might as well let this little girl see a dying woman. <laughs> yeah, just, and and she, she kind of Shelley hopes that Eric is all right, which we all know at this point he's not. He 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 died, and uh, <laughs> uh, Cole, Cole McNeely has said in the comments, "Nice shirt, J Mac. Is Jibber Jabber merch coming? Well, stay tuned. There may or may not be a store already." already on the horizon um so yeah um it's so... a great shot I mean, uh, we've also we've also got, uh, got hoodies as well i was hoping i'd wear this and kevin would wear the hoodie but he forgot look it's look. roasting i've got lights and everything <laughs> on me i'm sweat. sweating can you see the glistening this, this is the, i'm not a vampire you know what i mean this is uh <laughs> this is just because it's boiling real life sweat uh, <laughs> but yeah the my, my uh sister is making these for us at the minute uh to order so if anybody wants one ask us right uh, there will be a store coming up soon uh, but yeah that's where we're at but thanks Absolutely. for the thanks for the compliment uh, designed by scott kempick and pressed on by my sister <laughs> you got pressed on by your sister god damn it that that's another movie so so at this point no, that's this movie <laughs> oh yeah so it is so it is but we'll get to that we'll get to that so, so very quickly, it moves one year on. Um, Eric and Shelley have both been dead, and Shelley spent what 30 hours on the yeah. operating table, 30 hours of pain, uh, just to die. Uh, so it's a, it's a year on. We kind of see uh, wee Sarah with a wee skateboard again heading towards the wee hot dog stand where Ernie's sitting there. And he's like, I don't want to put more onions on that. And uh, Sarah comes up to the place and she, she's like, Hi. And he's like, you, you eating? She's like, you buying? He's like, I'm buying. And yeah. gives her the hot dog. She's, she's a decent actress, that girl, by the way. It's a shame she didn't really do much else. She's only been yeah. in like four things. And after that, she wasn't in anything else until 2009. So I don't yeah. I don't understand if it was to do with the, the situation with obviously what happened on set or mm. what. But she was a good little actress. It was a shame she didn't do more. Yeah, and... Uh... It's quite cool. My favorite part <laughs> can add me like one of my favorite parts of hers. They're like, I don't want onions though, because they make you fart. <laughs> it's like, I, it's like, I knew you'd sit laughing at that. I'm like, yeah, I'd find that funny if I was 10 or Kevin. <laughs> There's another part. There's another part that we get to, right? That had me, even in my notes, I wrote in brackets, ha 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 ha. <laughs> and we'll get to it, right? And it's one of those bits that everybody else would just like skiff past it. But for me, I was like, yes. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll get to that. So okay. we skip one year later here, right? And everything's kind of happened. The years progressed. And the the gang, which is Tintin, T-Bar. 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 T-Bar's a wrestler. <laughs> T-Bar is where you go to get tea. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, so you've got Tintin. T-Bird, Fun Boy, and Skank. Skank. That's Skank. your four. What a name, right? Um, and who is it? That, uh, was it? It's actually Gideon, isn't it? He's like, uh, and I even put it down as a quote. He says, uh, his quote is like, a bunch of pirate kind of names. Isn't it? He's uh, like, y'all jump about like jolly pirates. Because all of them have, all the bad guys have nicknames. There's nothing, like none of them are called John or We Dave. <laughs> We there he is. Um, <laughs> we did, we, he has to make his way into every show. I wish you just knew what he looked like. Um, <laughs> ah, jolly I mean, pirate I, nicknames is what he says. I, I, you and your jolly pirate nicknames. 
it's a comic book thing, though, isn't it? You know, if 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 the source material is a comic book, you tend to find that the the bad guys tend to have silly names, um, uh, like rusty just... nail and whatnot. Gang, <laughs> gang. <laughs> <laughs> great, great. Uh, Grant Moore <laughs> says one of my favorite movies for years even introduced it to the missus got her loving it I think anybody you introduce this movie to will will absolutely love it um, so the, the four guys are now sitting in the bar and they're talking about Devil's Night my new favorite holiday which by the way T-Bird um, you remember another popular movie that T-Bird's in yeah, there's he's actually been in a lot of really good films. David Patrick Kelly, um, but who Sully, uh, uh, he has, he's, uh, his most iconic, uh, is probably Sully from Commando. Um, yeah, he's just such a little sleazy asshole. Um, but he he's, he's, he's damn good at it, and, and obviously, had his uh, kind of breakout in the, the Warriors as well. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, he's he's a he's a great character actor, man. He, he can play. He can play all types of things as well. I think he's mostly been cast as a villain most of the time. Uh, but uh, I don't know if you've ever seen a film called K-Pax with Kevin Spacey. God rest him. <laughs> um, where Kevin Spacey plays a character called K-Pax who mm-hmm. tells everybody that he's an alien. Um, and they're not quite sure if he is or not. So he's in a mental institution. And David Patrick Kelly plays one of the other guys in the mental institution who's just obsessed with bluebirds. Um, right. But I uh, really, really good actor, man. I watch him in anything. We did actually reach out to him to come on the show tonight, but uh, yeah, dingied. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think everyone that we reached out to to come on about this uh, kind of dingied us. Yeah, uh, that, that, we only only really by two people, but <laughs> uh, I was uh, the first one actually replied very quickly saying no, <laughs> which was which was nice. Uh, but hey, there you go. Um, yeah, but I. Uh, so we do kind of we a, do like a bit of David Patrick Kelly. The, the bad guys I mean, in general, it's it's quite a they are quite a threatening bunch. Like they just seem like they give no shits about anything. Bar skank, mate. Bar skank. Come on, <laughs> skank like, was, he was clearly, <laughs> Skank's clearly been somebody's cousin that they were forced to bring along, and he just kind of <laughs> stuck around. <laughs> and that fire up thing is. It <laughs> makes no sense. <laughs> um, but they're all kind of just congregating in the bar, and you see Darla. Um, this is the first kind of time you see Darla, and she's they're they've got their guns out, and they're all doing the whole macho. You shoot him, I shoot him, and then that bursts into a big fire it up. Yeah, uh, they're doing all after, the macho after pose. swallowing some bullets for absolutely no reason. Yeah, that can't be healthy, right? Um, so imagine that, imagine it just went off like three days later. You're just sitting watching TV and it, oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> so while this is happening, Eric Draven at the same kind of timeline has returned home to find that Gabriel is cat still alive and off off a white, still off a white. Kind of goes home, touches everything, does the whole oh no, this is where it happened. No, and then yeah. and then he sees the mask of something, some sort of character that that he used to. He used to play about with Shelly because you're constantly seeing the flashbacks. And then he's like, do you know what? I'm feeling a montage. So in a montage-esque kind of thing, he pulls the jumper on and he's like, I need to paint my face because of course I do, right? <laughs> now, before we kind of progress on, let's just take a moment to kind of look at what that that iconic face paint and the whole the whole persona of the crow has inspired in pop culture. 
For for instance, I'm a huge wrestling fan, and if anybody ever knows the character Sting, even I knew that one. Right, was <laughs> absolutely modelled from the Crow. Right, yeah. uh, there's no there's no secret. He completely was like, "That's class," and I'm using it. He added a little bit of himself to the Crow character, and that became Sting. You know, the Scorpion. Um, but he carried a baseball bat, etc. But if you look at the character, it's, it's I, almost identical. He took Brandon Lee's kind of persona from the crow and became Sting, who became in his own right an icon, which which is actually what he's called the icon Sting. Um, another thing, now I don't know about the timelines, this is where Damien would be really good, right? But I, I saw a lot of the Dark Knight Joker in the crow, and mm. I think. The Crow, I think maybe Heath Ledger, and by the way, parallels again, not exactly, but Heath Ledger, and uh, you'll see me talk about about Heath Ledger where it comes to kind of mentioning uh, Brandon Lee, but the the parallels, I think you can look at many different characters throughout cinematic history and see that, that they borrowed from The Crow. And I know that, <laughs> that uh, Brandon Lee wanted to kind of step out of Bruce Lee's shadow and not be known as, you know, the first of all, the son of, just the son of Bruce Lee, and not not to follow the complete, he didn't want to go straight down that Van Damme action kind of kung fu stuff. He wanted to become mm -hmm. a real actor. His first opportunity, really, to do it. Everything he was getting mm -hmm. before that was just kind of B-rated uh, kind of, action films um mm -hmm. he did do a, a he did actually do a film in hong kong uh, very early on in his career um and i'm sure he is actually speaking you know chinese in it he was um so <clears throat> i think he, he probably unintentionally did ride the coattails of his dad for a little while but then obviously he's like i need to i need to be my own man and this this was the film that that did it for him or would have done it for him um, if he'd actually gotten through it. And just to go back to that scene where he kind of makes himself up, I, I'm very kind of upset to find out that's not even him because he died before they, they managed to, to get that scene done. And that's mm -hmm. it's one of the best scenes in the film, you know? Yeah, um, I mean, we will kind of cover that when we get to the the tragic loss of, of Brandon Lee. There's a lot to kind of jump into when it gets to that. Um, the, the one thing I'll say, though, is um, like Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger and Brandon Lee both died at a pivotal point in their career because this was the making of Brandon Lee. And as much as he's Bruce Lee's son, when someone talks about Brandon Lee, you automatically think of The Crow. You don't think of Bruce Lee's son. You yeah. think Brandon Lee or the guy from The Crow. <clears throat> exactly. So, I mean, it, it obviously does have a very kind of long-lasting legacy. And there's a reason for it. The, the film is awesome. There's no... there's no. Is, is it the best film ever made? No. It's got its problems, but it's just it's such good fun, man, from start to finish. It yeah. really is. So we kinda we see now that he's become the crow. He's put the face paint on, and this is his this is his time to show us what he's gonna do. And he heads out to find Tintin just kind of leaving the bar. Uh, he goes Tintin's sitting over one of the and I've never done that. It must be a, is it a an American thing, a, a New Yorker thing. I don't know, but you always see them around a barrel that's on fire. It's like a homelessness kind of thing. Um, I, I can't imagine. That. I don't think Tintin's homeless though. Can he not just? No, I think he, he was lighting a cigarette off it. He had to walk past it. He was like, might as well. <laughs> and then um, he hears Brandon but, Lee laughing. Yeah, again, Joker esque. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> I did. I, I always found that laugh a wee bit uncomfortable. I, I, I think it was. It just seemed a bit too forced and weird. Um, maybe it was supposed to. I don't know. But that first kind of confrontation. Obviously, Tintin is the first guy that he, he picks off, um, and that confrontation is actually really cool. And you kind of think, oh no, is it is it going down the martial arts route? But it doesn't. It, it's just a, it's just a street fight. Mm -hmm. uh, that ends up with some pretty cool knife throwing. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's um, a part, there's a part which I was like, oh, they 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 allowed this. So he's like, you know, think back to a year ago, and I laughed, and he's like, man, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. He's like, think again, and us, and he's like, oh yeah, yeah, Shelley, <laughs> and then a direct, a, di a direct quote, I shanked her pink ass, and she loved it. Did he say shanked? I genuinely thought he said shagged. He said and shanked, which is right. worse. You know that. You know what shanking is, right? Stabbing, isn't it? With a knife. Yeah. I shanked her pink ass, and she loved it. That there is a gruesome, a gruesome piece of detail about what happened to Shelley. Now, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Right? I think okay, that that's a bit much, but we're talking about this like like brandon lee put it you know this is a dark movie and it's violent but it has to be because that's what it is so mm. of course he shanked a pink ass right because that's horrible think all the horrible things that you could put in a scene that's definitely there right yeah i mean <clears throat> the good the good thing is that, that this film actually stays away from blood and guts and gore most of the time it's not it's not like a, a kind of over the top gore fest, which it could easily have been. Um, most of the, I would say that there's actually very little kind of blood in the film, apart from mm -hmm. the stuff that you see kind of painted on walls in the shape of the crow. And uh, you know, at the beginning, yeah, there's some blood, but it's it's the aftermath. It's not happening on screen at the time. Um, I would say one of the one of the gorier scenes was probably, you know, the bit with Fun Boy. Um, which is funny in its own way, <laughs> mm. uh, but yeah. So I think uh, uh, there's there's some dark themes in the film that are definitely looked into, but they had to be there. The the comic book is very dark. Mm. <laughs> I think uh, James James Obar when he wrote it wasn't in a very good place. Um, so yeah, it's you you want you want to kind of stick to the the feel of the the first original media. Yeah, the um with this kind of death scene i thought it was really it was quite artistic in the way that he's like he just he kind of throws the knife because tintin doesn't miss right and there's even this part where uh eric grabs the knife like this that's been thrown with his two hands and i always remember replicating that as a child when i had toy swords and whatnot i used to do this and pretend i was the crow <laughs> but um it's the part where he gets the knife and he just clearly stabs it right into his face but then it just cuts away from from that scene. Yeah, and I thought, oh, and I thought, and I and I'm a I'm a big lover in the idea of something, and it being kind of use your own imagination. I, I, I quite like open to interpretation rather than just showing you all out. Yeah, there's like nothing that. more terrifying than your own imagination. You know, right? So, and for that, I was like, what? So, Tintin's now tended, right? <laughs> <laughs> <Tendied>. <laughs> no, that's that's not a t-shirt 
<laughs> Mate, it totally is. <laughs> Ten deed. Uh, so he's he's dead. And we are now introduced to the gang boss, which do you know what his name is, right? Top dollar. What kind of name is that? He he's like a devil worshipper. What made anybody go, do you know what? His name is Top Dollar. That makes no sense. <laughs> he like he gets with his sister and eats people's eyeballs. Top dollar, I would expect to see someone like Floyd Mayweather with a grill and going like this. And I'd expect to see like a suit with dollar signs on it and right, right. <laughs> the million dollar man, but top dollar to be some guy with long hair that sits in a dark room Aye. above a nightclub. Come on. Maybe Richie Rich moved on and became a crime lord. Top dollar. Top dollar. Maybe that's maybe that's not what he calls himself, and it's maybe what his street name is because he is top dollar right he's the guy i don't think his name is ever actually mentioned in the film as far as i can remember as far as i noticed when i watched it today yeah uh, i don't mm. think his name is mentioned it's just in the in the credits um so it must have been in the comic so james obar must have had a reason for calling this guy top dollar um, <laughs> top dollar man it kind of kind of sucks so we we get to we get to see him and there's a dead lassie just chilling and his wee sister takes out his uh Take the his wee sister takes out this girl's eye to which they burn, and then he eats. I think he's quite power obsessive. He's very not a nice guy, but someone that also doesn't like to get his hands dirty. And we're kind of introduced to that. And his wee sister's like the the wicked witch almost, the one that kind of gets it. Mm. You know, like a, a good wee sidekick. And he also has another sidekick, Tony Todd. Yeah, yeah, I noticed big candy man coming in. Um, Grange. With, with his blade haircut. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which, which I thought was quite cool. I was like, oh, there, there's Tony Todd. Um, so at this point, uh, we're moving on now to Eric now heads to Gideon's because that's where Tintin was before he was killed. And it's kind of Tintin says, you know, go go to Gideon's. That's where you're going to find more yeah, information. This is one of my favorite scenes, by the way. I, uh, I, love, I love the pawn shop scene. It's, it's so dumb and just very. Oh, it's just so. I find, Gideon, I find Gideon quite funny, but the thing actually, just to go back, it was this was a note that I had um, when Tintin goes to Gideon with the stolen goods that he's trading in. There's a bit where uh, Gideon's kind of looking through all this stuff. And he's like, "Ah, it's probably fake," blah blah blah. And then, then he's like, "What's this?" He's like, "Leather, leather purse." He's like, "What's is this a blood stain, Tintin?" Mm-hmm. And he's like, "He's like, shut up, man. How much you get?" And he gives him fifty dollars, right? And what I thought at that point was, it just goes to show you what a lack of respect. That Tintin has got for life, where he will kill people for the sake of fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. That's fucked up. That's a bad man. I'm glad he got all his blades stuck in all of his major organs in alphabetical order. <laughs> yes. Um, the thing is, like, uh, see the the fact that Gideon knew there was blood on it. He knows that these criminals are killing people. And he's essentially buying it. Hence, why the crow kind of goes there. He goes there to find his engagement ring that he gave to Shelley. That mm. Tintin obviously took off her body after shanking her pink ass, and uh, <laughs> he gives it to Gideon, obviously for some sort of money. And it's, at one point, he's like, you know, each one of these is a life. It represents a life that you helped to destroy because he's funding it. Yeah. Um, which again, that's like the moral code of this undead avenger the crow 
Which, by the way, I, I don't call him the crow because the crow's by his side the whole time. Yeah, the he's Eric Draven. Yeah, he's the crow's kind of like his life source, and um, so he's he's pissed that obviously this place exists. He loads all the rings into the shotgun and pours gasoline everywhere. And as he's leaving, and the guy's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah." And by the way, that that actor's a great actor for that kind of character. He's the best yeah. for that, right? Proper, yeah. like he's like he's like a a more explicit Danny DeVito from Matilda, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, there is a there is a DeVito esque kind of vibe <laughs> off him. Um, yeah, but no, but no, he's, he's good. He's good. He's like an angry, an angry wee Italian guy. He's yeah, good at yeah. it. Uh, he's definitely the, the he's the perfect casting for that character. So when that kind of happens, he's you know, is that gasoline I smell? Yeah, <laughs> into the and the the whole place blows up, and that kind of opens a, a another bag, another bag of worms. I love that um, image of the the rings flying out the end of the shotgun when he when he shot it. That was that was cool. That was um, uh, a cool little shot. It was um, almost like um, thingy. It was almost like a a homage to the people that's lives had been ruined, kind of taking back the power, yeah, destroying destroying the place. Yeah, I mean, it, <clears throat> one thing actually, this is a I, I don't know if it's some kind of oversight, but this is a year down the line from when he died. Why isn't he rotten in any way? Why is he? Yeah, yeah. Like I did think that uh, because when he does come out of the grave, he's like uh, he's proper in his like full skin with no yeah. maggots hanging at him. Uh, the, it must be the I don't know, like the whole resurrection special thing. effects budget. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what it is. I'm telling you. If you look at the healing effects, I don't think they do too well with the the whole <laughs> rotten skin. Uh, scenario but it always or not even when i was a kid i was like why isn't he just a wee bit moldy <laughs> it would make sense a burst lip or something but he does have the scars he does have the scars from where he was stabbed yeah. and shot so it's yeah. like it's selective as to what heals and what doesn't he so yeah so your scars don't heal but your whole face and anatomy does yeah again it, it, it's a it's a movie Fucking leave yes. it alone, Jordan. Yeah, yeah, we'll go to that. <laughs> ben Garnum at home says it's Hellboy and James McAvoy. He's saying you look like James McAvoy. I don't look like Hellboy. No, he's saying I look like Ron Perlman, <laughs> which I do, unfortunately. Um, I've had the McAvoy thing a few times, but I think it's only in certain lights. What, when the lights are off? <laughs> no, you're just jealous because you got Ron Perlman. Uh, I did get Ron Perlman. I, I look like yeah. the, the I look like the big <laughs> big white ape from Rampage. <laughs> the ape's thumb, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, so at this point, the the shop explodes and the crow kind of walks out, badass superhero esque, and he bumps into Big Ernie, who plays mm-hmm. and his um his character's name is. Aye, it's quite spelt like you would expect it to be, which is quite a tongue twister for me. <laughs> it sounds German. Albrecht. Why call him Albrecht? I mean, come on. Isn't Ray would have been fine. <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, I don't think there's a lot of kind of black heritage from Germany, so I don't know where the surname would have come from. Um, uh, I mean, I, but, I'm assuming that is his surname and not his actual name. Imagine that was his name. I, I, who would look at a wee baby and go, ah, he looks like an Albrecht. <laughs> Albrecht Stevenson. That's, that's, worse than, that's worse than Keith. Keith. 
<laughs> Even Keith would have been fine. So he meets him in the street and he's like, oh, they have a little bit of an exchange and Eric disappears and he's like, hey, Eric? This is, this is the start of his, wait a minute, could that be? Um, this prompts Albrecht to go and get you know the old album cover and start doodling on it to see if Sting yeah. actually <laughs> is on the front. Yeah. I mean, I, I think um, he, he accepts it a little too easily, though, for my liking. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that everybody in the film seems to just accept this guy's back for the dead. Yeah. It's like almost like it's a common occurrence. Um, <laughs> but yeah, again, it's a it's a movie. Just <laughs> move move on, Jordan. Again, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> so once he leaves there, Sarah again on the skateboard. Uh, you see the shot of her feet. She heads out onto the road, and Eric's like, "Whoa!" He pulls her off the road, stops her being killed, and she's like, "Yeah, they would have stabbed." He's like, and he's like, "You know, be careful, blah blah blah," and she, she's like, "Oh, oh, you know, because that's what usually what you would do, right? After you just have your life saved, to be like, I wish this rain would stop, right? The weather, man, the weather, <laughs> right? Not even, not even a thank you either. I know. Right. She's <laughs> just like, oh, I wish this weather would stop, which allows him to deliver the line." Which I love all the time, and she's like, Eric? "Eric," and he's away. And I thought, you know what? See those wee things. I'm like, mm, love it, love it. And I think, <laughs> by the way, the, the song "It Can't Rain All the Time" by Jane Seberry. Um, it's a song that comes on my iPod because I love movie soundtracks. We've even got our own Spotify playlist. You can find it on Spotify. J Mac didn't even know this. Um, no, I did not. It's jibber jabber ultimate movie themes and you can it's all in there and that's in there i might listen to that at some point oh it's class man it's got all the best (laughs) stuff on it (laughs) but uh, i know the the song that you're talking about is uh it's it's actually a really sweet song it Um, is but i think her voice is quite nippy nippy aye nippy nippy her voice is quite nippy and i'm like that uh it's, it's one of those it's one of those songs that the minute i hear it i'm like right i'm trans i'm transported right back to watching it mm-hmm. and w- waking up like start to watch it with my brother when i'm younger uh and then i fall asleep and he watches it to the end and then this song comes on and i'm woke up going oh i missed it but you hear the song something comfortable about that like mm-hmm. when you spend time with a sibling and even though you fell asleep and missed a good chunk of it it's, it's still a very comfortable memory of knowing that he's watched something together or half watched it you know yeah uh, so it's, it's, sometimes you'll even in life you'll just you'll you'll hear something or you'll, you'll even smell something that that reminds you of watching a movie with a brother or a sister. Or, mm-hmm. um, that's 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 what these that's what these things are good for, man. Um, it's mm. it's nice it's nice to to just be taken back to a simpler time, you know, mm-hmm. with it, like before you had all these stresses of life, like. Wife, Aye. kids, mortgage, wife, wife, <laughs> wife. <laughs> um, so uh, it's it, it it brings back good feelings. Mm-hmm. It really does, and that this is one of those ultimate movies for me. This is why, like, on my big wall of of all these movies that you can't see on the screen or see when you're listening to this via Spotify, this is why you go to YouTube. On this wall, the crow is right up there. There's a big poster of the crow right at the very top, and I think for me, when movies mean a lot to me it's not just because of how good the movie is but it's because of where it was in my life yeah. and this is this is one of those that are right up there hence i have the collection even the sequels we'll get into that another time because uh, this initially was supposed to be it was supposed to be a trilogy 
but uh, Brandon went and screwed that all up. <laughs> oh, you made it sound like his fault. <laughs> <laughs> it <was> somebody's fault. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they meet in the street. He saves Sarah, and we move forward now to the fun boy and Darla scene. Yeah. So it kind of Darla is taking morphine and whatever else they're injecting. Fun boy's sitting there, uh, looking like Edge from wrestling, with <laughs> long hair and his his pants. And I think, I mean, the amount of money they probably steal, it could afford somewhere nicer. I love the fact that the tone of this movie, everything's dark and dull. And believe it or not, but the director J Mac actually wanted to film the full movie and what black and white motherfucker <laughs> and then like a proper sane person the studio was like this <sighs> no, <laughs> no. See, there, i was there, there's certain scenes where you look at it and go that feels like it was right out of sin city and stuff like that mm -hmm. you know it feels like a graphic novel when you're watching it but it felt more like a graphic novel if it was in black and white the color palette is pretty washed out for most of the film anyway it's it's almost black and white most of the time they might, they might as well have just done it. They did it successfully the previous year with Schindler's List. So why mm. why not do it with this? I, I don't understand. Yeah. Well, I, I'm still happy not changing it. The way it is is fine with me. It's it's a very dark, dark kind of movie where if you're watching it during the day and you've got light coming in through the window, you're seeing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, this, this reminded me of something. That, do you know, are you familiar with the Stephen King film, The Mist? Yes, of course. Right. Great, great film. I really enjoyed it, right? Thomas Jane. Yeah, there is there is a black and white version out there um, that apparently is is very, very good. It, it's it's cool in black and white, and I spent forever trying to find one of these. Even, like, I was looking, I couldn't find a DVD, I couldn't find a Blu-ray, I couldn't find even a download for it. So I was quite disappointed, and then I went, wait a minute, I'll just turn the fucking colour down. <laughs> Which I did, and watched it in black and white. But I'm sure there was different kind of tones and lighting that was messed about with to make it a bit more effective. But yeah, I just turned the color down. That was my that was my solution. So that uh, this scene sees Brandon Lee, Eric Draven, approach Darla and Fun Boy, and start shooting away at him. And the hand gets the hole, and he looks through it, and he's like, <laughs> and then he shoots. He shoots Fun Boy in the leg, to which <laughs> can you uh, can you recite the, his, his exact quote? So, Look what you done to my sheets! He kind of he kind of falls to you know unconscious at this point. One thing I will say, we're going to kind of take this chronological deep dive here. And set it aside for a second because at this very point is a misconception that this is where Brandon Lee was shot and killed because this is his scene with Fun Boy and Brandon Lee. This wasn't the scene that that happened in. The scene was actually the flashback because none of this was filmed in sequence. So the the scene that that actually killed Brandon Lee was the one that you see. Obviously, you don't see that scene. It's not in the movie. It was reshot. Even though again, another common misconception is that, that it was shot, you know, and left in the movie, which it absolutely wasn't. So what happens is that scene where you see the guys opening the door, you know, reading out the complaint, they come in, and Eric gets a knife in his chest by Tintin, and this is what initially, you know, takes him down a little bit. 
initially Eric was to be shot, but after obviously the tragedy, they thought, you know what? See, with that character, we're not going to shoot him now. We'll, we'll, we'll knife him. <laughs> we'll knife him instead, right? Um, so they, they knifed him instead. But at that at that very shot, obviously the reworked shot, Brandon was to have come in with the shopping bags and be shot by Funboy, which actually happened. And it's at that point where he hit the ground and everybody around was like, this is a part where he gets back up and he wasn't getting back up. But there was a bit of a delay between him where he was supposed to get back up. Where they would get... So they kept filming and they kept acting while he was lying on the ground. They didn't know, obviously, that he was actually hurt because he was supposed to be on the ground for a period of time, then start to get back up. But when they couldn't, when he, when he couldn't actually get back up, you know, the director went up and was like, you okay, Brandon? And they realised, well, wait a minute, he's actually been shot. Now, before I've got, I've got a few clips here to play to kind of, kind of put to bed what actually happened. But had you heard the theories about Brandon Lee and why he and his dad were murdered? I don't, I don't really subscribe to a lot of conspiracy theories. To be honest, I think um, for for the one that sorry for the yeah for the one that might be right, there are a million that are fucking ridiculous. So I don't tend to give them the time of day. Um, but so you never I'm heard sure of it. I'm sure you're gonna tell me, right? So, and and you'll know more about Bruce Lee's death than I will, right? Mm-hmm. But according to sources, now even Kanye West went on the Joe Rogan podcast and was like, "Those two were fucking aced. They were killed." Because Kanye West claims to have been like, "Kanye West is the most stable human being." <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, right? But here's the thing: wait, 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 to... just be careful with your sources, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, but. The... This kind of came up when I was looking into it. Kanye West claims to have been around these Hollywood types that are at the top, the people you don't piss off. Now, a court, the, the, one, of, one of the sources was, sorry, one of the, the, the theories was that Bruce Lee was kind of killed because he was taking this, the secrets of the martial arts to the mainstream through Hollywood. And he was also teaching people that were not of their descent people that was kind of frowned upon so that they actually what Bruce Lee done was pissed off the triads so they had him kind of killed and what obviously they say something happened with his, his head allergic reaction to paracetamol or whatever but another thing was that they said that the reason they targeted Brandon is because they wanted to kill off the Lee bloodline right because they still they hold that kind of grudge that they kill off they wanted to kill off the the, the Lee bloodline and another thing is they were like well wait a minute brandon lee wasn't supposed to go into acting and now he's he's got the potential to kind of be the next bruce lee and we didn't want the first bruce lee so we're going to take out the 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 second bruce lee which is obviously brandon bruce lee um that again theories theories uh the the actual there was an actual autopsy and whatnot on bruce lee and they they claimed that it was Something about a, a blood clot in the brain that was, was triggered by cerebral edema is the was the official cause of death. His brain swelled up after an allergic reaction oh. to an equagesic tablet. Um, oh, that's fucking paracetamol. The... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you mentioned that I, I know a fair bit about Bruce Lee's death. I um, I know how he died, where he died, and who was there, and it, it's just it was just an unfortunate happening. 
I don't subscribe to the fact that he was killed by the triads. I don't subscribe to the fact that he's still alive and working undercover in the fucking <laughs> Hong Kong police. I don't believe any of that shit. If you do, you're a moron. Yeah. So, so anyway, we're talking about Brandley. Yeah, whose house was he in when he died? A, an actress that he was possibly having an affair with called Betty Ting Pei. It was never proven. Um, but yeah. yeah, that's so that's Bruce. Yeah, well, the, the reason we bring Bruce up though is because this is this leads into the theory. Um, you know, how many other actors were killed on set? Um, people just think it's a, it's a bit fishy for as much people as you've got saying, of course, it was just natural. You've got the naysayers that are like, nah, Sutton went down. I mean, look at that two, two members, two male members of the family, and there's, there's a lot to it, but we're not going to get into that because we're here to kind of highlight the movie but these are theories that exist and to kind of put to bed that theory that someone had taken i mean i don't know what you'd heard when i grew up watching the crow i heard that someone replaced the bullet with an actual real bullet uh so someone had come and slipped a real bullet in the fake gun and that's how he died because they wanted him dead this is what i grew up thinking because i'd heard it and only when i looked into it i realized well hmm, possibly not but i do have I do have a clip here from mm. from it's called Cursed Movies. Now there was a lot going on in this uh, this documentary that talked about this movie being cursed um, because someone had actually someone from the crew had been electrocuted. I think Brandon had cut his hand. Brandon actually cut his hand. You know that scene in Gideon's Gideon's store. Yeah, when he, he smashed the display cabinet. Mm -hmm. He actually yeah. cut his hand on that, and no one ever cuts their hand on that because it's fake glass. But Brandon yeah. managed it. He was so injury-prone on the set to the point that one of the guys working with him was like, Brandon, you're going to die on the set. Yeah, there's it was actually, few... it was it was Gideon that said that to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And th there's actually a few, um, there's a few things that kind of nod to that. Apparently one in Bruce Lee's movie, that one of his movies kind of foresaw that. And another, another thing is people close to Brandon Lee at the time said that Brandon always felt he was never going to live past 25. There was things that he was uncomfortable talking about where he felt that he just wasn't in control of his body, that, that he felt that there was something destined to go wrong in his life very young. Uh, again, that's stuff that you'd really need to look at yourself, something we kind of highlight. But what I'm going to play here um, is the prop gun. Now, if we get uh, copyright stricken on YouTube, I will have to remove it, but I will put the link in the description. Also, if you're listening on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, anywhere you're listening, this is why we do the show on YouTube, because we play clips and we want to kind of give as much to you guys as possible. So without further ado, here is a clip that will completely explain what happened with a prop gun that killed Brandon Lee. It was a dummy bullet loaded two weeks before that had lodged a real bullet in the barrel of the gun. These are a different caliber dummy rounds that we have. And the whole goal to making dummy rounds is to make an imitation round that would lead the viewer to believe that it is a live round. So this is the dummy round, and this is the live round. Even though this is a dummy round and it's had the gunpowder removed, uh, the primer hasn't been removed or struck. When we do a dummy round, it's always important to remove the primer cap from the center. What happened on the crawl was when they put the dummy round in, they forgot to remove the primer. And what happens is, again, that primer has enough force to dislodge the lead round and actually push it into the barrel. We're actually going to pull the trigger. 
and it'll have just enough force to lodge the, the round in there. So you can see in there our dummy round. We'll index it. Three, two, one. So just with that simple action, that little snap, the, the cap's gone off, no gunpowder, but what we'll be able to prove is the hung round inside the barrel. Inside that barrel, we have the obstruction. But if you look down the barrel, you'll notice that there's no light coming through. So that would tell me that there's an obstruction. In this case, a lead round, a hollow point. That's the one thing they didn't do. They didn't check the barrel for an obstruction. The problem with that is when you put a blank in there, then after whatever's in there, be it rock, dirt, or a hung round, that round comes out flying at three to 5,000 PSI. So when we're ready, I'll put a round in here. It's gonna be a, uh, a blank, a half load blank. This is it, there's no lead projectile. It's just crimped at the end, but it's got powder. The crimp's hot, but this produces enough powder to push this lead round into that board through two inches of plywood. So when we're ready. Three, two, one. The round's gone off. I can go check down range. We can actually see the round that punctured through it. Right here. That's your round. That was the hung round that got pushed into the barrel with, uh, with just the primer cap. And what you can see is, I don't know if you can see the striations, but it actually fired the round. So this would definitely be a lethal round. This would be something you don't get up for. I mean, that's eerie as hell, right? That's, mm. I mean, how unfortunate can you be, you know? And how negligent could somebody be not to check that beforehand? If they know it's something, if they knew it's something that could happen, but I, this is one of the the movies that changed the way that that people make films when it comes to safety. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, Michael uh, Michael Berryman, the guy that was supposed to play the skull. Um, what do you call it? Cowboy. <laughs> yeah, the skull cowboy. He actually had kind of formed a little bit of a bond with Brandon Lee um, as they were working together briefly, and he was supposed to come back. They were supposed to fly him back. <laughs> and Kevin seems to have disappeared. Uh, I wish I knew what story he was going to tell. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know there why. he is. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Michael Berryman was supposed to, uh, he was supposed to fly back over to finish his scenes with Brandon, but obviously, unfortunately, Brandon died and they had to take Michael Berryman out of the show because they couldn't actually they just couldn't work it to the point where this you you see him briefly at the start of the movie you see his legs it sets up a shot to show that he was there when when uh brandon lee comes eric draven comes back now what he said was he was like in my personal opinion he says the reason brandon died is because sh the studio wanted to cut costs right they sent home the guy that was the prop the the gun master someone that was there to clean out that stuff, the guy that was there to check, and they replaced them with a prop master local to where they were filming. This wasn't a guy that was experienced enough to know what he was doing, handling these guns. And also, that guy himself was overworked. So he doesn't place blame on the prop master, but what he says is they they basically overloaded a guy that didn't know what he was doing in that area with the guns that was already overworked, right? that didn't check. And because of that, like you saw there in that clip, 
that's just that's just as good as firing a bullet. Yeah, it's just it's pure negligence, and for the sake of saving a buck, really. Um, I don't know. I, th- I think. Uh, I mean, I know that uh, Linda Lee, um, his mum, did win uh, an out-of-court settlement of three million dollars for the the negligence suit that she filed. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, three million dollars doesn't seem like that much for losing your son. Um, but I mean, it, it was 1994, so three million dollars was a lot more back then, but not not that much. Well, the budget um, the budget was twenty three million dollars. I wonder if that three million came from what they had to pay Linda. Uh, <laughs> and worldwide, it did gross fifty, so it was a success. It is deemed a, a cult classic, but it was actually a success. So there's not really much cult about it. I just think the kind of following and the the tragedy and the mystery and the mystique and the cursed kind of feel it just adds to the movie. You know, I, w- I, I wonder if I wonder if it would be such a cult classic if it wasn't for that unfortunate incident. You know what I mean? I, I still think um, it would be class because I loved the movie before I knew that he was dead in real life. See, you know, I always knew. I, I always I knew. I knew before I'd seen this film that this was, that was the film that he died on. Mm. Um, so I, I always had that overhanging for me. Another thing um, that Michael Berryman had said was that people went on because there, there's an actual that clip that I played there was from Cursed Movies. There's a series on Shudder. Yeah, credit credit to Cursed Movies. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for letting us use your, your clip. It's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. It's easier. <laughs> it's, it's definitely easier. Um, I mean, it, it might not be there. You might have had to click on the link because if it gets th- copyright striked, I just remove it. Do you think I asked permission to buy this fucking thing? <laughs> <laughs> I just asked for forgiveness. <laughs> so, um, Michael Berryman said that as much as people look at that movie as a cursed movie, he says it wasn't. It was made of. It was made out of love, uh, the love that Brandon had for bringing that character to life, and the love that everybody had for each other. The actual crew and cast decided they weren't going to. They weren't actually going to go ahead with the film. But then they were like, Do you know, we got we got it like ninety five percent. And we'd be discrediting all the work that Brandon put into making this movie just to have it, his life be taken and not put this movie out to yeah. not let the world see just how incredible he was in it. The good so, thing is that, that it was done It was done with absolute respect and taste. Um, mm-hmm. they, they might have had to change a few elements, but they kept the, the essence of it the same. Uh, unlike what they did with his dad's last film, which they just absolutely obliterated. Um <laughs> That was the game of death. Um, the the movie. I mean, the game of death movie didn't come out until 1978, where five years after he died, and mm. it was an absolute shit bomb of a film. Um, mm. It's it's actually a disgrace. So they, they did it right with this one. Um, they they did actually start filming um, a double wearing a mask. Mate, Bruce and I can uh, Brandon that. Lee. That's yeah. that's. I can understand why they felt a bit uneasy about it and decided to go digital. Digital was brave back then. They actually, if you, if you look at it now, they did a damn good job given what they had kind of technology-wise at the time to replace mm-hmm. his face um, in I, certain scenes. I remember the director, again, if anybody hasn't seen it, make sure to go and watch Cursed Films, The Crow on Shudder. The director actually said when they all got back on set and they watched Brandon's double walk in with a mask of Brandon's face, they were like, this just doesn't feel right. It's somber. There's just such a, a morbid. An, 
an uneasy feeling and they just wanted to kind of they wanted to take it out and uh, but they just they knew they had to go on mm. and and for that reason they did but you know michael berryman lost his role in this movie uh, but there is a deleted scene of him playing the skull cowboy and this is i'm going to play that now for everyone to kind of see uh audio is not perfect because you know we're never finished we, uh, and it's VHS transfer, so you can kind of hear the, 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 a little bit of their dialogue. But uh, Michael Berryman, for everyone that doesn't know who Michael Berryman is, he's a guy that plays a lot of different grotesque kind of characters. He's a guy that was born with a dodgy face. And uh, he was a, he's actually the guy that you see on the original cover art for Hills of Eyes. Uh, but here he is as the Skull Cowboy. What's going around? Your job is done. The problems of the living are not your concern. It's not that easy. Get out of my way. You risked everything. I took that risk and lost. That's your story. You'll go as a mortal alone. I'm already alone. Then choose. Choose and be damned. The guy has kind of moved away um so yeah that's that's literally the scene that that was cut and the only scene that they filmed which is quite i mean it didn't look great it didn't sound great the guy actually sounded like he had something in his mouth <laughs> no i actually uh-huh. i actually like that to be honest i think that having that element in the film could it, it, it can it act it would accent the more supernatural side of things which it, it, it seems to be missing because there's never any kind of explanation as to why the crow can bring people back to life and i think a character like that would have actually given it some more scope um, yeah because he himself was brought back by the crow as you can hear you know you wasted yours and i think the the character like eric draven had the choice has the choice to go back to being dead or to stay and that's why the the skull cowboy's faces are rotten because he's dead, but he stayed. He's like, I wasted my time. What you gonna do? Yeah. Right. Again, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna read the graphic novel and see, see kind of what happens there. Because that, that there is a, that. That's what made me go. I'm gonna buy the graphic novel because that character's prominent in it, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's a shame that we didn't get that that character. Uh, obviously, due to Brandon Lee dying, which of course at the time was. It was shocking. It was one of those things that had everybody talking, um, and I didn't mean to rhyme. Just I mean, imagine it wasn't Brandon Lee that was in this film. He'd probably still be alive. And I guarantee whoever played him, whoever played Eric Draven, would probably still be alive. It's amazing how one little thing could... Um, I mean, every every little difference changes everything. The butterfly effect. So, I mean, yeah. other other people that, that were kind of considered for the role. I think James Obar himself wanted Johnny Depp for obvious reasons because he'd done Edward mm. Scissorhands. <laughs> yeah. um, also, I think River Phoenix turned it down. Um, so Another Christian is- Slater. Christian Slater, I think, could have done a yeah. fucking good job in this film. Did you um, know, initially, this was pitched to James Obar, this movie, with Michael Jackson in mind, <laughs> and they wanted to make it a musical. Yeah. And James Obar laughed and was like, yeah. you what? <laughs> um, it's, one, it's one of those things that, um, just shows you how out of touch these executives can actually be uh, yeah, think, no, oh, this is a, this is a good idea oh this guy's got this, this guy looks weird <laughs> and he's got a white face who could we use? Michael Jackson <laughs> uh, so he um, this obviously it went the way it went and unfortunately 
Brandon Lee died. Uh, but if you look, if you look at his last interview that he's talking talking about, he's talking about the movie, and he's like, you know, we take life for granted, etc. Mm-hmm. Go go watch that last interview. It's, it's, it's very chilling to watch the <laughs> words he said. They also end that interview with the that song "Can't Rain All the Time." Is it mm. if you play that song? If what they do is they play that song, and then they kind of bring in an image of Brandon Lee just smiling, like having a happy moment, and it's the saddest fucking thing I've ever seen. Yeah. So, whenever you see somebody, when you see, whenever you see a f- like footage of somebody that's passed on at a happy moment, it makes mm. it all this all the more sad that they're gone. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of I don't know about you, but watching it, um, it was quite an emotional watch for me because I was like. For for so many reasons, being what it was, the fact that he was twenty eight, mate, that's younger than what we are now. Because when mm-hmm. you're growing up, you think you think, oh, Brandon Lee, the man that died, but he was still a kid. Yeah, really, he was Bruce, cut down before. Bruce Lee died when he was four years younger than I am now. That's insane, uh, and it, it fucks with my mind. So it's it's crazy. Obviously, I've, I've achieved obviously I've achieved a lot more than he did in my time. <laughs> An award-winning podcast has never won any awards. <laughs> ah, mate, I gave it an award. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, as when you look at it, for what it is that, you know, he was rushed to hospital, his mother, he was getting married after that movie mm-hmm. to, to Lisa. He was Eliza. Eliza, um, yeah. He, he was going to get married. He was this big, larger-than-life character. I think, I think his legacy was going to be his own i don't think based on the trajectory i think we view him if he hadn't died we'd view him in the same vein as like brad pitt johnny depp he'd be among those actors now because he'd have done so much more i think the crow was just the beginning of this, 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 was, his, this was his launch pad do you know what i mean this, this was the i mean he'd only done five major films including mm-hmm. that one uh, and the other four uh well three of them are pretty poor one of them's not bad rapid fire wasn't a bad movie um mm. But uh, yeah, I think this this was this would have been the launch pad for the the career that he would have had. Um, but again, same thing happened to to Bruce. <laughs> Enter the Dragon came out after he died, and that was the film that gave him international recognition. That was the first one to come out over on this side of the planet. Um, once they seen the success of Enter the Dragon, that's when they brought out the big boss Fist of Fury and Way of the Dragon. Um, but he was gone. He was going to never. He never got to see the 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 success that he'd become, which is a shame. And it's the same for for Brandon. And when you hear Brandon talking about, you know, what he had hoped to achieve with his father, and the fact that he never got that chance because he was ten or eight, eight yeah, or ten. Uh, yeah, I think he was seven or eight at the time when his uh, when his dad passed. So he kind of wanted to carve it. it. It's all very sad. And I do have a, another clip here uh, to play, and it's the news report of Brandon. Brandon Lee's death. And Lisa Gibbons, John Tesh is away this week. Tragedy, it seems, runs in the family. Bruce Lee was a movie star who died young and became a legend. Now his son Brandon is gone as well, fatally wounded while starring in a movie. Five hours of surgery at this hospital could not save the life of 28-year-old Brandon Lee. He was fatally injured on the set of his latest movie, The Crow. Sarah Seidman, a stand-in, was there when it happened. When Brandon didn't get up, Everyone was stunned because in the scene he was supposed to fall down and be mortally wounded. So, I mean, the actors went on with the scene. They didn't know until the director said, cut, nobody knew. And then when the medic looked at Brandon and he went, he was right in there. He said, Brandon, you're all right. 
was, and it was really pale. Initial reports indicated that Lee was shot in the stomach by a prop gun. But today, an autopsy revealed that Brandon Lee was killed when he was hit by a 44 caliber bullet. Jason Scott is a spokesperson for the production company. Sad, sad, sad. Yeah, this is a happy podcast. <laughs> this is why we kind of broached on this in the middle of the show, so that we would kind of take the dip and come back from it. Um, so as you see there, we've explained, well, we haven't, Shudder, the documentary on Shudder explained the way the, the bullet kind of came out and the, just basically what happened to Brandon Lee. And unfortunately, that was his final movie, but it was also the movie that catapulted him into, you know, what he became a, a legend. Uh, when you think of Brandon Lee, you think of the crow, and this is kind of why, for good reasons and bad. But that there it is in a nutshell, the the death of Brandon Lee. And um, we're going to now move back on with the the rest of the show. The reason I wanted to kind of touch upon it right there was just to kind of clear up where he died in the movie and how he died. And we hope we've done that with all the source material there. So. Yeah. Fun boy has now. You all right there, J Mac? Yeah, it's off it's sorry. Bangy. <laughs> ah, off yeah. Off bangy. <laughs> oh, by the way, did you did you see in that clip? It's like, well, Bruce Lee died, and well, Brandon Lee died as well. <laughs> it's like uh, what? <laughs> tragedy runs in the family. Why did they have to say it like that? Oh, like, yeah. it's like, yeah, remember how this guy died? That's his boy away day. That's his boy away day. <laughs> Your does did. <laughs> we still game reference there. So, yeah. so Fun Boy has been shot. He kind of gets slapped about a bit. And then J Mac, explain to our fine audience what happens to Fun Boy. Uh, Fun Boy uh, gets dragged into the bathroom and basically <laughs> injected with every needle in the, in the building. <laughs> yeah. To give him a fatal overdose. Um, while at the same time, uh, he grabbed Darla who happens to be young Sarah's mum, and somehow uses his magical get morphine out the vein powers to get her. <laughs> <laughs> don't know where that came from. Um, I, don't, I, I, I don't know if that would be like on my, my top list of superpowers if I get to come back for the dead. It's just like, right, so I want to be able to fly. I want to be able to be invincible. And I want to be able to force morphine out of people's veins. <laughs> so that's about a weird request mate um we've never really had that before um could you could you maybe explain your reasons no nope. <laughs> you see also uh, does he not put the needles in the shape of the crow on his chest on fun boy's chest i i think i think he made it is that what he did mm -hmm. see i remember seeing i remember seeing the needles um but i thought the the, the crow was just drawn in blood around where the needles were yeah, I think because the needles were like the needles were marked like a crow, and then he took the blood and just kind of drew around it like an outline. Right. And another thing um, with with that scene is, uh, oh, what was I going to say about it? <laughs> I takes he takes him into the bathroom and does that to him. Oh no, I had something to say, but I forgot it. Damn it, man! <laughs> uh, so, oh, that's that was it. This was it. The way that the crow kills, or the way that Eric kills everybody is always kind of in relation to who they are and what they do. Like Tintin got stabbed up, right? Yeah. You've got, and we'll not go into the other deaths because we've not covered them yet, but then he kills Fun Boy with junkie needles because he's a junkie. <laughs> with junkie needles. 
<laughs> I think what he's trying to say is he kills them with drugs. <laughs> kills them with junky needles. Oh, they does. They're junky needles. Yeah, they're, they're just needles, man. <laughs> Not those ones. Not those ones. <laughs> they're just needles. It's just the contents that's a problem. Right? And and, and the, the context... So what's in the needles? Oh, they're fully junky. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you can get a needle that has, uh, I don't know, water in it, and you can get a needle that's got all the the junk in it a needle with water in it would do just as much damage <laughs> to be honest <laughs> soak somebody wet no if but... you inject if you inject somebody with water they're dying man this <laughs> is no it's not a good thing a, 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 a syringe with uh, air in it will kill somebody mm, so yeah. yeah it's just best not to inject things unless you really really have to hashtag yeah. get the fucking vaccine that's my message kevin's is different this this podcast took a turn. Fuck. Um, so as, I, as always, as always. Um, so Brad, see, he injects them with all that horrible stuff because usually stuff that comes from a needle is horrible, and uh, it it kills Fun Boy. So we're down two two of the henchmen. And by the way, I like that there's not too many baddies as well, and you know who he's going for. You know, it's already set up to the point where like right, we're following now. He's gonna get one of, the, and and I was. Uh, it's mad that he left Skank for last. <laughs> Skank. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Eric remains Starlers. It's Skank right there. Eric remains Starlers that uh, that she has a child, and that she needs to kind of get her act together because she's got a daughter that needs her, and this is something that Eric and Shelley always knew. Yeah. And this is the point where he kind of tells her as he's removing all the morphine from her blood. <laughs> I like I like the the quote that he says there when he says, "Mother is Beautiful. the name for God, and the lips and hearts of all children." That's mm-hmm. cool. That's so cool true. Line. I wrote that down as well because it's it's a beautiful line. This movie is full. It's filled with uh, so many great quotes. So it's mm-hmm. going to get hard when we come to the most memorable quote. It'll be really hard to kind of pick from that. Um, so Gideon is now in. You know the bar. He's like, ah, fill it up, <laughs> and uh, he's like, you, you have a, an appointment. He's like, oh, he starts giving Tony, uh, Tony Todd some snash, and then he ends up above the club with Top Dollar oh, and dollar. his misses. And he's the only one you kind of do see in the movie that kind of gives Top Dollar a load of cheek. And he's like, well, your sisters? He's like, why can't you see the resemblance? <laughs> he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> he's like. No, and I kind of see that you two kind of get into each other. So what's what's going on there? Yeah. So thanks for introducing me to your sister wife. <laughs> exactly. This kind of explains it. Top dollar. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, I right, so he's kind of saying, you know, what happened down at your shop? Why did it blow up? Oh, you're telling me the crow man. You better not be lying to me. He's like, I'm not lying. Why did I lie to you? And then he gets a sword and puts it to him, and he's like. You sure you're telling us the truth, man? Eh? <laughs> he's like, he's like, I'm telling the truth. Now get that thing away. He's like, all right, kill, kill, kill. Stab! And, and what I like about this death is the fact that he stabs him in the throat, right? And he's like, <laughs> two seconds into Gideon, like, choking. He's like, oh, just die. And shoots him as well. Yeah. Like, that's how much he loathes that character. Yeah. That he's like, just go and stop wasting my time. I'm not so stabbing For fuck's sake, die, will you? <laughs> 3.3 <laughs> seconds ago, I stabbed you, and you're not dead yet. <laughs> like, like, just get this piece of I, shit. I don't know. It, it seemed, it seemed like the. I mean, obviously, it wasn't a mercy killing, but it, it almost seemed like one. Do you know what I mean? He, he could have just, he could have just let him bleed out there, but he shot him. 
And I, no. like that's what I'm saying. I know it wasn't a mercy killing. He didn't do it to make it easier for him. I think he did it because he just wanted to shoot him as well. He, he wanted um, to get him to fuck. He was like, I'm sick of this guy breathing. Aye. He's like, oh, his choking's <laughs> annoying me. <laughs> uh, three seconds ago, I just stabbed him. Now he's dead. So yeah. Gideon gets it. And then Eric then visits Albrecht in his house. And he's like, you need to tell me what happened. Which, by the way, I thought, has he not already found, like, he remembered. We already seen this. He didn't know what happened after. Like, mm-hmm. He didn't know what happened to Shelley. Um, he didn't. He didn't know if she died straight away or whatever. He he had no idea because he died first. So using more of his ultra superpowers, he puts his hand on the head of Bagerni. So how did he even know that was going to happen? Oh, because he was touching stuff earlier on. Yeah, that's ah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so he touches his head and gives it all. Ah, ah! And how funny would it be if all he seen was like episodes of the Cosby Show? Or something? <laughs> <laughs> no, like just TV shows. <laughs> just the TV shows and just just memories. The Cosby things, Show. Things, I don't know. The first thing that came to my mind. I used to like the Cosby Show. Why is that the first thing that came to my mind? Ah, <laughs> oh, shut up. Um, but it's it's like, how did he know that it would be those memories that came out? You know, hmm. I always find it funny with these kind of mind reading scenarios. It's like they they always seem to just manage to find the information that they they need, as opposed <laughs> to just having to go through episodes of the news. Uh, you see Ernie sitting on the bog reading the fucking toilet, reading the uh, the newspaper. <laughs> He's like, fast forward, fast forward. <laughs> Just flicking through the files. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, aye. So I, that was another another superpower. Mm-hmm. So he takes the memories and he's like, you, you stuck wearing all this. You know, why didn't you help? He's like, I tried to, but the shit is done. Dunderwain's against us and everything. So... <laughs> <laughs> so Ernie re- uh, Eric realizes that that Albrecht Ernie tried and couldn't really do anything. He got kind of demoted for trying to sort that stuff out. And then he's like, right, cool. Well, I'm just gonna go and get a T-Bird now. So T-Bird says to Skank, they're now moved forward and they're and they're walking through the streets and they're like, oh, they've killed Tintin and they've killed Funboy. And then they just stop the street and they're like, Fire! <laughs> they look like a couple of Jake <laughs> What was the need in that? Right? Uh, I don't know. What's, what's funny as well, though, is you can tell that uh, David Patrick Kelly was supposed to do it one more time. But he, <laughs> he walked away and Skank kind of half did it. He was like, <laughs> and then he well, goes, Yeah, we'll leave that in. <laughs> he goes, Smoke and Rook beers. He's like, Got it. That's road beers. Road I, beers. I, road beer, sorry. Road beers. Uh, so they're saying we need beers for the road. Like that's a thing, well, right? Uh, that, well, that's that's what it is. Basically, it's like, we should get beers for drinking in the car when we're driving. because uh, that's just the done thing with criminal gangs. Um and it just movies in general. There are many drink driving that goes on in films and it's just never addressed. It's fucking hilarious. Mm. There'll be a couple goes out for a date and then he has like eight beers and then just he's like, Oh, come on, I'll take you home. <laughs> and then do they crash or get stopped by the cops on the way home? No, nope, he just drops it off. That's it. Jobs are good. <laughs> so he, he's getting in the car at this point now, and, and then he's getting gaffer taped up by the crow. He's yeah. like, hey, hey, do I know you? Is it money you need? Drugs? I've got it all. And then we get a shot of Skank in the shop, and it, what's he eating? <laughs> he's like, rub, rub. who eats oh, like shit. that? That's oh, just happy horse shit. <laughs> <laughs> he's grabbing uh, the beers. Who eats like that? A guy called Skank eats like that. <laughs> <laughs> he's like this. And I'm just like, 
What? He's like a dog. He just like, shoves things into his face. Mate, he just needs put down for his own good. <laughs> we can't, what I find really funny is uh, at this point, you know, T-Bone. T-Bird. T-Bone. T-Bone. I'll call him T-Trolley next. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. So, uh, anyway, what happens to T-Rex is... Uh, <laughs> So T-Bird, uh, he's in he's in the car, he gets gaffer taped, and they're going for a drive faster. He's got gun gun to his head, has to keep moving. And then, at this point, <laughs> Skank runs it. He's like, oh, no! and then he gets ran out. He's like, oh! <laughs> That's so, it's so funny, the guy gets out of the car, and he, he's like, so what the hell are you doing, you stupid ass hair? You hit my car! <laughs> Zero concern, and then Skank just knocks him out and steals the car. Um, but what, what's no. funny about that is, is when he when he speeds by the cops and the cops like what the crap no, please 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 this is remember how earlier at the start of the show I said there's a really funny but that had me howling is that it's it? a spot the cop goes what the crap and it goes and the, the other cop's coffee goes on and he goes ah <laughs> unnecessary he could have said Go chuck your coffee. <laughs> no concern for his pal. Just tried to take a drink. And I went on and I was like, ah! I, I mean, I didn't find that that funny. Yeah, I'm just laughing I at was, how funny you found I it. Was, mate, I was howling. Where's my note right here? But I actually, I actually had it here in the notes. And in brackets, I had, ha, 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 I've got that many notes. Um, <laughs> where is it? Skank, T-Bird. No, it's somewhere. Is it even in the... I can't mind. It's somewhere. I'll come across it because there's lots of notes. But <laughs> I was like... <laughs> I wrote it down, actually. I wrote it down. It's just <laughs> That, for me, had me howling. Right? Just the guy trying to take a drink of his coffee. <laughs> the guy's like, what the crap? Goes. <laughs> just like, fucking... Ah. <laughs> Do you know... This this scene is the is probably the, the only scene in the film where you get to see somebody's real kind of concern for the fact that somebody's come back for the dead. And it's, it's T-Bird. He's, he's like, we killed you. We put you through the window. There ain't no coming back. There ain't no coming back. He goes, he goes full predator at that point. Mate, there ain't no coming back. There ain't no coming back. We're going to have some fun. Point, see, at that point, the music that complements that scene yeah. has, brings emotion. Aye. As you yes. Right, because not only does it just say, you know, there ain't no coming back, but it drives home. Well, wait a minute, I know I'm scared because I know what we done to you, yeah. and that's why he's scared because he's like, I know what we done to you, and that's why I'm scared because there ain't no coming back. But, but you're back, <laughs> and now I and now I know why I wish you couldn't come back because yeah, and and the music was perfect for that that scene. There's like a, an eerie kind of song that plays. At this point, which kind of drives home, like we're getting serious now. You know, there ain't no coming back. Well, no, but no until now, pal. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and and again, for me, that he, was he, dies, he dies in a way that that kind of kind of suited his actions. Um, the arsonist. Yeah. It, uh, so he blew him up in his car. Now his car is his favorite thing. Mm-hmm. The, that car is a, a T bird. That's what the so that's the reason he gets called T Bird is because it, that's his car and that's his that's his baby. Mm. Uh, so by blowing up the car as well, it's just like a double fuck you to T Bird. Yeah, and uh, 
<laughs> thingy. <laughs> uh, Todd at home has says the crow was an excellent biopic of Sting. <laughs> yep, this is literally Sting's backstory. This was a uh, Sting's backstory, and this is kind of added to the character when he kind of came into WCW. But uh, T Bird's death was quite cool. I like the way it actually exploded before it hit the water. So it was like you know we're getting you out of the way. We're not doing this in the street, but we get to see you explode just before you hit the water. Yeah. Rather than going into the water and drowning, it's like a double again, a double fuck you. Uh, is, have you seen Sully in anything that he didn't get killed in? <laughs> he didn't die in K-Pax. Uh, he's always getting thrown off stuff, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> we need to use that scream, that scream in some sort of production at some point. <laughs> He actually apparently he actually shouts ooh la la. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I heard ooh, that. La, la. <laughs> so um at this point, now that the, the whole car blows up and skanks like ooh, la, la, demon! <laughs> you see this is this is that iconic uh <laughs> this is this iconic scene where Brandon Eric lights the gasoline and it turns into a huge crow. Um, this yeah. is like right. He's we we know he's serious now. We know why he's here. Uh, he's he's out for blood, uh, and it's pretty cool that even when he he goes to get Skank and he shows up at uh, he shows up at Top Dollar because at, at this point there's not much left now in the movie before it starts to get real serious. Eric kind of goes to because <laughs> it wasn't serious until this point. <laughs> <laughs> no, get serious as in the way of they know the threats coming. Yeah, yeah, they know they know that the crow because that's why he left Gideon alive. Told him to go and get, let them all know death's coming. He wants them to fear him. And uh, Eric, for the last time, goes back to the loft, and that's where where he is at. And Sarah kind of shows up and is like, "Eric, Eric, you there, dude?" And nothing happens, and she's like, "Well, well, screw you. I thought you cared." And he's like, "Sarah, I do care." And then she runs up, and she's like, "Oh, the big loving hug." Um, and he gives he gives her Shelley's ring after no that well that's towards the end actually he gives her Shelley's ring to kind of say you know I will always be here uh, but it's at this mm. point I think he knows that he's on you borrowed time that was one of the scenes that was done with a double so Brandon yeah. was never he was never in that scene in the in the loft which mm. makes it all the more sad as well because uh, it was almost like that was <sighs> it's a moment that that he should have been there for. Was yeah. that that hug, that embrace? Yeah. Um, so yeah, well, that was quite. It was quite nice. It was quite a nice we scene. It's one of those scenes that chops up a little bit and shows you the 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 purity of of the character. Um. So at this point now we've got Top Dollar who's assembling a mob style thing, and this is where I'll again we'll go back to to Heath Ledger. Right. At this point, he's like, you know, Devil's Night. Ah, getting all the patter about what Devil's Night is, how he's some sort of anarchist that that's created Devil's Night, and now people have taken it and run with it, and he wants to burn. Bill you know what they got now? Devil's Night greeting cards. Right. So, <laughs> so at this point, everybody's locked and loaded with guns. Skank's sitting there. I don't know why they kind of brought Skank in on that because Skank's no good to in. Then the crow walks in. Which kind of mirrors that scene in Dark Knight where Heath Ledger walks in, uh, uh, you know, with the the bombs that are strapped. Yeah, I thought, wow, if that uh, if Heath Ledger took from that, then well done, because what what a great thing to take. So he walks well, in I mean, as I a th- crow. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously Chris, Christopher Nolan would have 
um, as a director, he'd have been in on that. Um, but you can definitely see the the comparison there. I also like the way that uh, it shows you Eric sitting up in the rafters like Batman. Did you notice that? Like Sting. Like Sting. Well, for me, it was like Batman. <laughs> Sting obviously took. Um, so he comes in, gives it all the patter. He's like, I'm here to hurt none of you. Just want him. Which yeah. again, is the revenge. This was obviously modelled after The Raven, which is a, a, a poem by Edgar Allan Poe. Um, did you know that? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Simpsons done oh, a is it, is it, It's a book? Mm-hmm. The Raven. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's started off... I don't know if it's a book. I know it's a poem. No, it's, it's definitely a... Um... I mean, they may have elaborated on the poem a bit and made it into a book, but it definitely is a poem. And it definitely started off as a poem. Uh, read by Christopher Lee, which is beautiful if you go to YouTube and listen to it. Um, and it's like four minutes long. But um, so, and that was about a, a raven that could, you know, bring back, you know, it, it was all about revenge. But um, he revenge. walks in. Oh, that would have been better. He walks <laughs> in. He's like, here, I just came for him. Give me him. And they're like, no. And then they all shoot him. And they're like, ha, ha, ha. And then before you know, like, snakes on a train. Everybody's being pulled under the table and it's almost like that ninja assassin they're all getting done in <laughs> left right and center and and one thing I, I thought would have been cooler is if if the crow if eric draven didn't use guns i quite like the up close and personal kind of stabby stabby but i get that he had to use guns because they would have been there for some time if he was using martial arts and stuff <laughs> yeah so, so he, he, he shot a lot of them kind of wears them all down and he gets skank and skank goes at the windy for a fly. Again, <laughs> what happened to Eric? He got thrown from a window that kind of mirrors his own kind of style. Skank went out the window. Goodbye, skank. Right in a police car. And, and both of them fell out of really bad special effects. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Some, 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 pretty, some pretty awful green screen being used there, but Hey ho, it's all they had. It's all they had. See, that's the thing though. They did a terrible job with green screen, but they did a good job with digitizing his face. So yeah. Maybe mm. that's where they spent all the money. Yeah. <laughs> so at this point, um the Micah, who is his sister, who is a uh, top dollar's sister. Micah and Top Dollar. Right. So they escape. The mob's been done in. And as we Sarah is it's like now it's the it's the the one year anniversary now, mm-hmm. and Eric goes to see Shelley's grave where he finds Sarah sleeping. You shouldn't sleep in here overnight. And he's like, why? It's the safest place in the world to be, because no one else wants to be in there. Um, they have their kind of their final goodbye. He gives her the ring with the necklace, mm-hmm. and as soon as she leaves the graveyard, because obviously. Top Dollar knew that it was the, the year anniversary of Eric Draven's death, knew exactly where they were buried, because obviously he remembered everything about them, right? Didn't have to have his mind refreshed at all at any point. No, he's got a lot of people working for him that would that would get him the information. But I actually loved that detail. I loved the fact that as soon as he killed Skank, he was like, right, time for me to go back in the grave. If it wasn't for the fact that Top Dollar came and took Sarah, that would have been the end of it. Even though Top Dollar did order for him to be killed. Yeah, but he wasn't the one that did it. Eric was only out to get the, the people that killed Shelley and him. Yeah. So as soon as he did it, as soon as Skank was gone, he was like, right, that's it. Mission's over. There, There's uh, there's Shelley's ring for you, Sarah. She'd, she'd want you to have that. And then that would have been the end of it. Top Dollar would have been alive today 
if he had just left Sarah alone. Uh, so he takes Sarah, runs into this crazy ass building, and at this point, they they realize that the crow is the link between worlds. The reason that we have an undead Avenger is because the crow has the power to do so. Because Micah knows this stuff, right? Because she eats eyeballs and probably is a witch. Right? Yeah. Again, she makes her demise in a rather fitting way. So she shoots the... the. It's actually uh, Tony Todd that shoots the bird with a sniper. Yeah. Doesn't die. Bird doesn't die. Flies into a windscreen. Gone. Shot with a sniper. No quite. You ever seen a bird getting hit by a windscreen? Yes, gone. It's actually, <laughs> it's actually quite comic, to be honest. It's 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 like a cartoon. You just see how he puff the feathers. <laughs> there's there's no bird left. There's uh, feathers everywhere. Unfortunately, I. So <laughs> you're just everything I say tonight. You're going. Ooh. <laughs> no, no, not not at all. <laughs> Birds life matter. Um. So. So um, he's now. He's shot the bird, which weakens Brandon because the bird's not dead. So Brandon won't die. Eric won't die. Poor choice of words there, right? Yeah. Um, so Eric won't die. And what happens is they start to fight. She goes to kill the bird. The bird's like, oh, bitch. No, you're no. Scratches her eyes out and probably does some other stuff. Pecks like hell. Her eyes start to kind of bleed and she falls, which is, again, quite cool because she's been all about the eyes, yet the bird gets hurt. Smart how they're doing that, eh? She she falls to her death. (laughs) (laughs) She she falls and then she's pan-breed. And then it's now just between the old top She's (laughs) tindied. She's tindied. So they take a top top dollar take. Top dollar. Every time you say it, it's like your arsehole puckers up a wee bit. Right. So he takes her to the the roof, tries to throw her off last action hero style. She's still holding on to the tiles. They have a little bit of a fight. It looks that uh, that Eric's going to lose because he gets a sword straight through the gut. Doesn't he die? Um, <laughs> and then he's kind of standing there, and then Top Dollar's like, you know, you were kind of going against my build and stuff, and I kind of like to be Top Dog around here. Nothing happens without me. So again, they had feelings, and then he's like. Ah, Take the pain. I don't want it anymore. Holds his face. Top dollar's like, oh no, no. You're seeing flashbacks of Shelly getting it off. No, before she died. And then let's go of his face. And the pain's just so much. And Top dollar's head. He's like, no. And it, it, like this, like Die Hard. The wind's against us. He's turned the wind against us. It falls really far from the top of the roof straight into a statue of a gargoyle with big ass horns like like uh like shang song and uh mortal kombat straight through him and it's just that's it tended yeah. <laughs> i'll tell you what i tell you what though man you, you give me any film that ends with a sword fight on the roof of a church i'm watching it <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly so we see that top dollars now did and Sarah, it's like, here's all that dialogue while Sarah's just hanging there. You'd have thought. <laughs> it's been a while, eh? <laughs> You'd have thought that he'd be like, wait a minute. There's a wee lassie hanging for a roof. That he's like, no, no, here, have some of this pain. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> have some of this pain. I'm not going to trip you up to like kill you quite quick. 
take the pain first while we Sarah's hanging from the roof. He saves Sarah, takes her back down. You know, he's he's found Ernie at the bottom of the stairs. They have a wee smoke. <laughs> he's like, oh, I'm giving up in the whole uh, total uh, lethal weapon kind of style. You know, I'm giving these up. Eric kind of laughs. They all have a wee bit of laugh. Eric's gone. Disappears. And like, are you going to do that disappearing thing? Oh, he always does that. The whole Batman <laughs> style thing. And then at that point, you didn't really see what happens to everyone else. Ernie kind of gets taken out in a stretcher, and just when you think he's going to punch that arsehole of a boss that he's got, he doesn't. He's just like, you missed it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Sarah, obviously, <laughs> I think, has got a, a new a new kind of relationship beginning with her mother, who's going to try and be a mum now. Yeah. And then Eric goes back to the graveyard where he sees the, which I believe to be a ghost of Shelley. She comes, takes his hand, and then it can't rain all the time. It ends, and just as just as the movie fades to black, it says, "For Brandon and Eliza." Yeah. See, to be honest, I, I I wasn't that keen on the ending. I don't know if if the ending was kind of faithful to the the graphic novel. Obviously, you'll find out once you get it. I don't know, but for me, I, I'd rather the the ending was a bit less cheesy. You know, I mean, I think it was supposed to to kind of end on a high with him seeing her ghost and essentially ended like ghost um <laughs> so i don't know i found that a bit cheesy i think it would have been better if if he could just kind of climb back into the grave and like in hocus pocus like well at hocus pocus i don't know <laughs> I've, 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 I've never i've never made it through hocus pocus um so wrong if, if he was to just kind of crawl back back into his grave still in pain like blood trailing off him and then it shows you him lying in the coffin and then he just like because his mission is done um he should heal up to the point that he was before he came back for the dead so all his new injuries should go but he'll keep the bullet holes in that and then he just closes his eyes and that's him at peace i think bringing shelly back at the end was silly no i disagree with you here jmac because what well, obviously what happens is he he goes to the grave and he kind of just she takes his hand and then it like it just clips and both graves there's no mud missing from his grave now it's like it magically all just goes back now you're saying that you would like him to just kind of reanimate to something and then just kind of i quite like the idea of him just walking away with shelly leaving it open you know mm. Just yeah. walking away with Shelley. Leave, leave it open for a few terrible fucking sequels. <laughs> uh, not, not, not so much that, but like it's also quite symbolic. It would be Brandon Lee walking away, you know, leaving, leaving the movie, leaving, you know, just symbolic. And I think, uh, <coughs> I think, when the movie finishes, you 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 don't need anymore. It's a story that's it's been told. And it's been told very, very well. Um, and kudos to Brandon Lee for everything he put into that. You know, when he was filming this and the makeup people applied his makeup, he said that, nah, I don't like it. It looks too new. So what he done was applied it himself and then went to bed that night and yeah. would wake up and it looked tarnished. Right, yeah. which which was a fine, you know, these <laughs> I like, fine things. I like to imagine that he got up in the morning and forgot he'd done it and like switched on his bathroom. Like he was like, oh, oh that's right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's a. It it was a. It's one of those things that every time you watch a movie, you can't help but think, "Wow, what could just, have been?" Just let the yawn out, man. It's coming. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> you, you think uh, what what could have been had he not died? What kind of stuff would he have done years later? But one thing I am glad is that they released this movie after mm-hmm. he did die, because for the world not to see that and not to have had that after he put such a body of work in it would have been a real crying shame. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, we we have got a good movie out of it, and that's, I suppose that's that's one good thing you could take away from what happened. Um, mm-hmm. It'd be bad if a film came out and it was crap, like what so happened question, to Jamie Deff. <laughs> uh, for for the question section, we always do this in the deep dive. Jay Mac, what do you give the crow out of five? Uh, four and a half. I give it five, purely on. <laughs> Purely on every aspect of it. Obviously, we let we let certain things go because that's what you should do. Movies are not supposed to be spot on. They try to tell a story in, in a small window. Um, so for nostalgia, for what the movie meant to me, for what it means to pop culture, for what it is, essentially, and, and how much Brandon put into it, and obviously what he lost putting into it. Yeah. Five out of five, mate. You can't take away from... For me, that, that half star is just because of the ending. I just... I still didn't like the ending. That's what that's it. it go. Um, most <laughs> memorable scene. The, the 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 montage when putting the makeup on. I love that scene. I love the music. Yeah. I love. I mean, that's that's when the when Burn by the Cure kicks in, mm-hmm. um, and the, I think the music just it illustrates so well what that scene is and should be. And uh, everybody loves the bit where the where the superhero first gets suited up. Uh, yeah. Sorry. So yeah, I, lo- I loved that bit. What was yours? For me, it was the part where he's he's walking, uh, and the the bird lands on his shoulder, <clears> and you get that iconic scene. Uh, and another one is where he's he's you can see him from the loft, and the camera pans away throughout the city. And you can just kind of see him standing in the loft. That's kind of what I think about when I when I when I see the the movie. But every scene has its has its purpose for me. If I could choose all of them, I would choose all of them. But these are the kind of standout visuals for me. Yeah. Uh, and your most memorable quote. Quick impression for you. Call, call, bang, fuck, I'm dead. <laughs> it made me chuckle. That was obvious. That was after the, the crow got shot. And uh, that was top dollar coming and taking the piss. Uh, I, I, I found that pretty funny. Uh, you know, like memorable quote. There's a there's a lot of memorable quotes, but I like funny quotes, especially funny quotes in films that really aren't funny unless coffee gets spilled on somebody. Goddamn! What what the crap? <laughs> Mine. What's my actually what's friend. what's funny? Sorry, I, I meant to say actually when Skank falls on the police car, the same mm-hmm. cop gets out and goes, "What the crap?" <laughs> <laughs> every time, every time. My most memorable quote is, "It can't rain all the time," because anytime I hear it, it takes me straight back to the movie um even though his band uh which are a, a bit weird right his hangman's joke is his band right it's the yeah. name of his band and have you heard when she puts a song on it's pish <laughs> can't rain all the time can't i think the i actually think the the record got stuck at that point and that's what made sarah turn around because if, mm. if, you, if you listen if that's what's happening there it's not that the song's that bad it's the record gets stuck on that line oh, wow. so that she really puts two and two together that's what it is. Uh, oh well, I thought maybe they could just had a chorus. That, 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 they could have just had a chorus that was like, "It can't rain all the time." It can't rain all the time. Like, do you know what I mean? Wouldn't, you wouldn't have to stick a. Sometimes the sun comes out, can't rain all the time. <laughs> <laughs> ah! 
<laughs> yeah, so for me, it can't rain all the time is class because it's basically what what's said throughout the whole movie and it's what makes me think of the crow. So <laughs> this has been the crow, a jibber jabber deep dive. I've absolutely enjoyed it. I spent hours and hours prepping for it and it's been an absolute labour of love. Um, I hope everyone at home has enjoyed it. If you're listening on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, um, Google iTunes, <laughs> Google iTunes, <laughs> Google Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere you're listening, remember we do this show live and we do it uh, visually as well over on YouTube, Twitch. We do it on uh, Facebook Live as well. You can still go back and watch us in the archives. Uh, thanks everyone for joining us tonight on our almost two hour episode of The Crow. This has been one that's been a long time coming for us and I've really enjoyed it. J-Mac, did you enjoy it? I did. What's funny is we've actually talked for longer than the film goes on. <laughs> that's true. But I mean, we could have made it even longer if need be, but but nah, we, um, we're not going to... Um, if you guys want to give us a review on this episode or any other episode, please do so on iTunes, on Spotify, wherever you can leave reviews. That stuff really would help us chart, which means a lot yeah. more people would come in and we'd get paid a lot more money and, and then we'd get better production value. You guys would have a great time because we'd have a great time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's it. I mean, any, if we can get some some good five-star reviews, it just it, it gets us more noticed. You know, the, mm. the, 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 We get recommended as a listen mm. for somebody that's never seen us before so please start leaving five star reviews that'd be lovely <laughs> even if we're doing a two a two star episode just give us five <laughs> all right <laughs> but as always i have been kevin wells and this is j mac we are the jibber jabber podcast and thanks again for joining us tonight for the crow deep dive and we will see you next week and maybe we just might uh we might just throw out a little bonus episode if we feeling if we're feeling frisky and that right j mac yeah, I'm always feeling frisky. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, thanks again. We'll see you guys next week. Tatty bye. <laughs>